All right, well, good evening, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started on time tonight. Uh, I've got a bunch of people online. Uh, if you are here for the monthly Gold Club Q&A call, you are in the right spot. Uh, my name is Todd Foster. I am one of the mentors, uh, and it's been a while since I've had the pleasure of uh, hosting this call and chatting with you guys, so I'm really looking forward to tonight. Uh, so welcome to the holiday version of the monthly Q&A call. Um, so for those of you not familiar with this call, uh, this call is held uh, on the second Monday of every month. Uh, and now if you are a Gold Club member, you get an added perk. Uh, not only do you, you get to listen into these calls, but you also get to jump into the queue uh, and ask questions. And uh, most importantly, uh, this, this call is for reviewing your guys' deals. Uh, so any uh, property information sheets that you guys have can be uh, submitted and we can talk about those deals right here on the call for everybody's benefit so that everybody learns. Uh, now, if you are not a Gold Club member, uh, you know, don't fret. You can still listen in. Uh, unfortunately, you won't be able to get uh, jumped into the queue here to ask questions. Uh, and if you want more information uh, on you know, how to become a Gold Club member and signing up, uh, honestly, guys, it's, it's an absolute no-brainer. Everybody on this call should be Gold Club members. Uh, if you're not, uh, head over to www.ronsgoldclub.com uh, and you can sign up there. Uh, now, uh, for those of you that are Gold Club members, if you want to get in the queue uh, and ask a question uh, or discuss your deal uh, that you've submitted, um, go ahead and press star 6 right now uh, to jump into the queue. Uh, and that will get you guys in the queue. And I'll, I'll spend a few more minutes introducing myself here to let a few of you guys line up. Uh, now, if you're a Gold Club member, and for whatever reason, if you did not dial in on that interactive line uh, that's listed on your Gold Club membership website homepage you know, after you log in, uh, you're going to want to go ahead and hang up and dial back in using that number and access code because that will allow you uh, to jump into the queue here by pressing star 6. Okay? And it allows you to get into the queue and ask questions, and we can uh, chat and talk about your deals. Um, so it's been a while since I've hosted this call. Again, super excited to be here. I've been on Planet Ron for uh, about you know, coming up on 10 years. It's been quite a while. Um, and we are pretty house experts. My wife and I and our uh, four beautiful children live in Minneapolis. And uh, we've got a, a busy household, a fun life, but we are pretty house experts. We love, love, love the pretty house business. We've done uh, a ton of deals over the year. Um, and my background you know, prior to getting into real estate was uh, I'm a recovering engineer. <laughs> let's, let's just say that. I'm uh, very happy to have that past uh, behind me. I spent 15 years in corporate America, and I was always looking for a way out. Uh, I always wanted to do something different with my time, uh, and I always wanted to make money in a different way. I, I just felt like uh, you know, going to work at a corporate job. It just wasn't for me. I mean, uh, you know, some people are built for it. For me, I, I wasn't. I was always looking for something different. And then uh, you know, Ron Legrand and, and the Pretty House business kind of uh, you know, fell in my lap, and, and we took off uh, you know, and did a bunch of deals coming right out of the quick start. That they, like a lot of you guys are probably on this call uh, about ready to do. I'm sure a lot of you guys were probably just at your first quick start, and you heard about this call. So uh, I'm really excited to see uh, and and uh, you know what you guys have in store for you, and, and uh, kind of sharing some of that journey with you guys by hosting this call and getting some of your questions answered. So, um, looks like we got a number of students lined up here in the queue. So I won't spend any more time talking about me because that is not what you guys came here for. So let's 
jump right in and start getting some questions answered. Uh, jump in the queue um, just as quick as you can. Uh, I do want to know I, I am up against a, a one-hour hard stop tonight. So uh, if you are kind of deep in the queue, I can't guarantee that we're going to get to everybody, but we will do our best to get through everybody as expeditiously as possible. So the earlier you jump in the queue, uh, the more likely it is that uh, you're going to get your question answered and, and we'll get to spend some time together here. So uh, with that said, uh, let me see if I can figure out which button here it is to get the next person on the line. Um, bear with me here. It's been a while. Click that next button. Hi, Hello, who's Hey, Danielle. Where are you from? Uh, I am in Vegas. In Vegas. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. What's going on tonight? What can I help you with? So I have a, a couple questions here. Um, uh, one question is, you know, I've I've heard from a lot of the mentors that uh, and and from Ron that typically with houses. Uh, if, if the person doesn't end up cashing out you know, at the end of the year term, they typically leave people in the house. Um, you know, granted that you have a, a reasonable length of, of term on the pretty house deal. Um, I was wondering, you know, with the, the economy being high right now, uh, do, you, do you ever decide, hey, let me just, uh, you know, say, hey, buy it or, or move out and then do another um, option with someone while the prices are high? Uh, great question, Danielle. Uh, let me ask you a question. Which way would you lean in your own investing business? Because this is kind of a personal decision. So some, uh, some of us mentors um, are more stringent about moving uh, in, you know, the tenant buyers out uh, and putting somebody else in there. Um, you know, I kind of fall in the category of, uh, I think, like Ron, where it's kind of set it and forget it. Um, but everybody is a little bit different, right? And there's different circumstances where sometimes you might want to get a property cashed out. So which way would you potentially lean? Uh, well, I want to, I guess, hold on to the properties as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And most of the houses that I have, I have indefinite terms on them because I'm just taking mm -hmm. over their mortgage. Um, but I feel like, uh, you know, in one sense, it's a lost opportunity of option deposits. Right. Yeah, so here's the other thing about that too. So uh, you, cause you mentioned a couple of things. So one, there's, there's a lost opportunity for gathering an additional option deposit. But um, the good thing is, as you talked about, you know, as the market continues to, to grow or go up, let's say you put somebody in on a one-year term, which is typically what I do. Now, I don't always give people a one-year term. I mean, you really should you know, have a mortgage person or somebody on your team looking at the tenant buyer's potential credit uh, and giving them a fair setup, meaning if there's somebody that just filed for bankruptcy you know, two weeks ago, I mean, you can't give them a one-year term because they're never going to get qualified for a mortgage, right? So you really should be fair about that. But most tenant buyers, in my experience, uh, you know, according to my mortgage broker, can, can get qualified if they really wanted to within 12 to 18 months. So, so my typical term is 12 months. Uh, now, after that term expires, here's the thing. You can leave them in the property, but let's say they come back to you two years later and they want to buy the house. Well, great. Now they're going to buy it at market price, and that's what I do. I don't, I don't go back and say, okay, well, your, your option expired, say, at 200000 Now the property's worth two forty. I'm still going to sell it to you for 200000 because that option expired a year ago, right? So you don't necessarily have to worry about... Um, 
creating a new agreement to try to recapture you know, more of that appreciation into your pocket, just know that once their option expires, it just goes to a month-to-month -month rental at that point. And uh, you don't have to sell it to them because their option expires. Now, I still would, but I would sell it to them at that new market value, whatever that is. Uh, but in your case, you're right, you would miss out on you know, the, 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 the lost cause there would be not collecting additional option deposits. But that's... You know, you know, a business decision on your end if you want to, um, you know, continue to turn the property over and, and go after those option deposits. And some of us do, some of us don't. Does that make sense? Yeah, and so then you're saying that the, the standard uh, purchase and sale agreement, or I'm not, not the purchase and sale, but the, the lease agreement that Ron uses, that will just automatically turn to a month to month and it has that in there? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, there's, there's the nothing question. you have to do. There's nothing you have to do at the end of the term. Just, just keep going. Okay, perfect. Um, the only other reason you might want to, I'm sorry. The only other reason you might want to uh, renew that that lease agreement um, is if you say so you wanted to raise the rents and stuff as well too, right? Which uh, I know Ron says he sometimes uh, you know doesn't do. Uh, I. I've actually put a clause into my agreement, so you know I, I've taken Ron's uh, lease option agreement and I'll put a little clause in there that says after one year, um, you know, should they still continue to stay into the option at each one-year renewal point, uh, the rent automatically increases by five percent. So I've already got that built in, so I don't ever have to sign a new lease agreement, right? Um, so that is something you could consider doing uh, as well. Okay, would I be able to do an addendum then um, to the lease agreement or would I actually have to do a whole new lease agreement? Um. You could most likely, I mean, I don't see any reason why you couldn't use an addendum, but if you're going to go back and give them a rent increase, um, then at that point, you might want to just, uh, you know, up the option price as well. So I, I think I would probably sign a brand new lease agreement uh, if you don't already have something like that in there. I'm saying moving forward, as you pick up new properties and you put tenant buyers into the home, All right. um, you know, use that for, for new buyers coming in so that you don't have to do anything. But now the ones that you already have in there, as their, their renewals come due, uh, I think I'd probably sign a, a new lease agreement if, if, with a new option agreement if I was you and try to collect a little bit more as a down payment. Okay, got it. Um, and then the other question that I had was, uh, what are what are some ways that you market when you have an open house or try and pull a, a tenant buyer outside of uh, you know the social media platforms like Facebook and uh, Craigslist and stuff like that? Um, good question. Uh, for me. If I'm being honest with you, there's really only a couple of mediums that, that I use uh, in marketing for tenant buyers. Uh, now, I might go above and beyond if I was going to have an open house, um, but once I put the property uh, up as a, a rent-to-own, and if it's a, a, what Ron calls a work-for-equity or handyman special, um, you know, those, I just, I get flooded. I get inundated with calls for those properties just through posting it on Facebook, uh, in Facebook Marketplace. Uh, I mean, a lot of times I don't even have to run Facebook ads. Sometimes we do. Uh, but Craigslist and Facebook are the two primary ones. You definitely want to get it up uh, on Zillow. Zillow's become a little bit, you know, weird nowadays. Um, so I'm kind of moving away from that. But then the other thing that I use uh, in my area is just the signs, the street signs. Those drive uh, just an unbelievable amount of traffic. You, you wouldn't believe what a sign that just has four simple lines. It says rent to own, um, and then you know, the second line would be poor credit okay, 
Uh, third line, I typically put you know one or two features about the home, like hardwood floors, you know, fireplace, or uh, five-star schools, or something like you know something like that to kind of catch people's attention. And the fourth line, a phone number, uh, that those tend to drive uh, just an absolute ton of calls. I think I get more. I'd, I'd say about 70% of my calls and my tenant buyers, um, you know, come from signs. Um, so you you always want to have you know a handful of signs out if you want to you know continue to have a buyers list. Um, but even if you just pick up a new property, you want to market specifically for uh, for one particular house. Um, you know, get some signs up. I and I honestly never put more than say 20 to 40 signs up, and it does the trick. Um, just kind of sprinkle them in and around the property, uh, major intersections. Uh, what works really well for us is the um, the freeway or the highway exit ramps. Uh, you, you tend to get not as much pushback from the municipalities and the cities uh, when you're putting them on the exit ramps. Uh, if you're trying to sprinkle them in and around town, you know, um, you know, on properties or business owners or streets, street corners, things like that, you, you tend to get a few more calls from municipalities. But um, so that's what's worked really, really well for us. And then as far as open houses. Um, you know, if if you just uh, print up you know a couple hundred flyers and and send those around to the surrounding areas, now there's companies that you can hire, people that you can hire just to uh, you know send basically take your flyers door to door and put them in the um, in the neighbors' doors and just kind of let them know in that flyer that hey you're having an open house, it's a rent to own, um, and and it can. It'd be as simple as, hey, pick your neighbor. Do you have anybody that wants to get into the neighborhood? Um, and a little bit more information about the property and make it clear that it's a, it's a lease to own. And, uh, you know, they don't have to have good credit to get into the property. And a lot of times you'll get referrals that way. So does that help? Oh, did I lose you? Nope, you're breaking up a little bit there. All right, I think we lost Danielle. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next caller because I think that we got that question answered. So let's see. Hello? Oh. Hi. Uh, hi. Uh, who do we got here? Yep, I can hear you. Who do we got here? Tracy. Hey, Tracy, where are you from? From Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, all right, awesome. Yep, and I am a member, and I did send in a lead. Uh, happen to have my lead sheet there. All uh, right, hang on. Let me let me double check. I don't think the office, unfortunately, sent anything uh, over to me yet, uh, which they would normally do. Normally, they're right on top of that, but I don't know if it came in late. Uh, but that's okay. You can uh, you can walk me through it uh, over the phone. So so tell me um, what I basically need to know from the lead sheet if you've got it filled out, Tracy, is uh, all of the starred sections. So um, let's start off by you know, going through what's what's the asking price for the property. Yes, and it does happen to be commercial. Maybe that's why I didn't send it to you. I'm not sure. Ah, uh, uh, that is why. Yep, we can't help uh, you with commercial properties on this call. <laughs> I didn't know if um, they would, um, or if I would, you know, just ask you to get it over to Ron, or if they would do it or what have you. But, um, you know, I just kind of wanted to see if I was on at least right track uh, with it. Uh, I didn't know who would be leading the meeting uh, tonight. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, sorry. Unfortunately, I, we, uh, you know, we typically don't do. Uh, Ron's got a commercial, uh, you know, boot camp, and then uh, his commercial thing is completely separate. So this this one's for single families only. All right. So, yeah, um, do you have any single family properties you wanted to talk about tonight? Uh, 
Um, not that I had any yes leads on the no. only um, one that I was wanting to um, ask someone uh, about and maybe um, getting some help on. It's gone from an uh, off-market property that I look mm -hmm. at as feasible. So I, I uh, will work a lot of times the off-market ones that had been for sale in recent past, maybe even the last couple of years, and see if they may be still willing to sell. Mm -hmm. And um, so this off-market one, um, the guy did not want to tell me his mortgage information. Um, so I probably should have smoothed the call a little bit more. I was going, you know, just write down the lead sheet. You, know, you have mostly what's already in the ad answers most of the questions. And um, so I didn't get into what his personal email was yet. But um, I verified, you know, a couple of pieces and kind of went right to the mortgage section since that's kind of at the top of the lead sheet. And mm -hmm. so he was like, um, he is not going to tell me, he don't think it's any of my business, what his mortgage balance is. Um, I guess I could have jumped to Section B, uh, you know, right there and go from there and see if I get a yes lead on that. Um, so what I was wondering on that one was, um, say, somebody, um, like me on a call like this or another session would um, call with another voice, you know, uh, so... Um, you know, since I kind of messed it up, I'll use those um, words, messed it up a little bit, uh, going maybe into the mortgage information too fast. But, um, you know, then they can maybe recover the call for me. Do you guys ever do something like that? Let me just call. Uh, not on this, not on this, not on this call, but we do do that as a part of the, the mentoring program. We can, you know, if you work with your specific mentor, that is something that they can uh, help you with. But for the purposes of this call, there's just not enough time to, to be calling uh, sellers leads. But let me ask you a quick question about that. Uh, so when you kind of jumped into the mortgage information, he said it's none of your business. What was your rebuttal? What did what did you say? Oh, well, I just uh, kind of told him it's kind of important or pertinent information as far as. Uh, being able to buy the property, and um, I didn't, you know, go into the thirty-five because I know we don't tell the thirty-five thousand um, dollar gap thing there, but um, it would kind of make a difference on um, what you kind of want to offer or um, on just buying in general. And mm -hmm. uh, I just told him it's kind of important information. The only thing I can think of off the fly to, to, to tell him, and I know that it's pretty much public information too. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of go in, you know, go in the county information and get it, but you wouldn't know if they're yep. in arrears or past due or right. anything like that. He did tell me there is a mortgage, but then he wouldn't tell me what the balance or, you know, what he owed on it. I was just trying to yep. get to A, you know, Section A. I was just trying to get to that part. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a couple of things you could have, could have done there. So I'll give you the line that, that I use that I kind of lead in uh, with to, to help make that go a little smoother. But once you get stonewalled like that, once um, you know, once the seller says, well, it's none of your business, none of your information, uh, first, let me tell you that there's a 99.9% .9 chance that they're not a motivated seller and you're not going to do business with them, okay? Uh, that's just been my experience when they're, when they're ready to stonewall you like that. Now, other times, um, you know, in a rare situation, they just – and depending on how you came at the situation, they know one way to buy and sell a house, and that's you bring all cash or a mortgage to the table, and you pay me off in full, so why the hell do I have to give you my mortgage information? Right? So sometimes it helps to just give them a little bit of a precursor as to almost why you need to know that information. So uh, you know, the line that I typically use is what I like to tell people is, um, you know, so, so Tracy, a lot of times it works out best by doing something with the financing. 
So right there, I'm already kind of paving the way, you know, setting the stage to let them know we're going to kind of lead into the financing. So a lot of times it works out best, but there's some of the financing. So let me ask you this, Tracy. Do you still have a mortgage on this one, or do you own it free and clear? Now let's assume that you came at me like this guy and said, well, you know, why do you need to know that? Or, I mean, that's really none of your business. And I say, oh, well, well, I understand. Um, it's just that a lot of times, Tracy, what I do is I'll just take over any existing debt on the home, and then I'll just cash you out your equity separately. Right? So a lot of sellers are really concerned you know, that if they give you their mortgage information, if they give you the balance of the loan, right, that you're just you know, going to try to you know, essentially rip them off. Right? You're, 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 you're trying to steal their equity. Uh, so I like to tell them up front, like, hey, your equity is safe. Uh, it's just the way that I do these deals is I'll just take over any existing debt and I'll cash you out your equity separately. Now, if I was going to take over your debt, Obviously, what do you think I would need to know to analyze the deal? I would need to know the amount of debt that's on the home to see if it's even worthwhile for me. Now, sometimes that works. Most of the time that works. I get very few uh, objections just based off of the way that I do that. Uh, and, and once I tell them, you know, so usually what I'll do is I'll take over your debt and then I'll just cash you out your equity separately. Now, after I say that, I've answered his, his objection and I, go, and I don't wait. I go right back after the information. And I say, uh, so Tracy, I don't need to know exact figures right now, just ballpark, so approximately how much you know, is still left to be paid off on that mortgage then. And then I shut up and I wait, right? And if he stonewalls me or they say, you know, I'm just not comfortable giving you that information, uh, you know, I'll just say, well, so here's the thing, man. Uh, the way I buy houses is I'm usually going to buy it you know, on, on some type of an installment sale or on a lease purchase, and I'm going to make monthly payments, right? Uh, so is that something that you're even open to? Just get that out of the way up front. If he says no, then you know, there's no reason to get the mortgage information. Right. right? So that's, that's the way uh, that I would have you kind of get around that. So, so try, you know, before you go right into the mortgage information, just know that a lot of sellers don't understand why you're even asking that because they've, they've never done a creative financing deal. They've never sold on terms before. They don't even know that it's an option. You know, realtors won't tell them it's an option because realtors want to get the property cashed out and make the commission, right? So that's the way most people know to sell their home. So they, they don't even understand why you need to know that information because you don't in a traditional sale, right? So if you give them that little precursor, that little paving the way, you know, just let them know that a lot of times it works out best by doing something with the financing. It should go a lot smoother for you. Okay? It should help on do some, doing something with the financing. Okay? Yep. All right. All right. I'll try that. Now, he's got it on the market uh, listed, and he's reduced mm -hmm. the price a couple of times. So I'm kind of watching it. But on that part, that second part about cashing them out on their equity, uh, later, you'd have to kind of be able to get a loan on that, wouldn't you? No, no, I'm not telling them when I'm going to cash them out. See, that's the, that's the tricky part about that. So a lot of times what I do is I'll take over any existing debt and I'll cash you out your equity separately. Notice I didn't say when I was going to cash them out separately. Now, they might assume that I'm going to cash it out right away, but I'm not. Right? I mean, that's, that's on them to make that assumption. Now, if they ask, like, well, when will you cash me that out? Just, just know that on the initial call, on these opening calls, they don't get into that level of detail. They're not, they're not thinking like that, right? Uh, your, your whole goal on this initial pre-screening call is just to get the information, just to get the mortgage information, right? So that's all I'm trying to pull out of them is how much is still owed on the property to see if there's even a deal here to be had that, that's worth structuring that makes sense, right? I really just um, start going back to it. 
to a lease option. Yep. Uh, so if, and if they have a little bit of equity in the pro let's say they only have you know a few thousand dollars worth of equity, I might just give that to them up front just to have them go away so I never have to deal with them again, right? But if they've got you know a significant amount of equity, then no, there's no way in heck I'm going to give them that up front. They're going to wait on it, right? Uh, or I'm going to structure a deal that makes sense for both of us, or we're not going to do business. So um, it doesn't mean that I'm going to go get a loan. I've I've never once uh, in 10 years gone gone and gotten a loan on a pretty house deal, and I don't intend to in the future. So no, don't don't go down that road. Okay. Yeah, so the cashing out part is um, just kind of lease option again. We we're just getting yeah right yeah they're going to get cashed out when we get cashed out right okay. yep. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. I guess I'll wait for the other folks to uh, call in and see if they will uh, look at my commercial deal there and tell me if I'm on the right track and I can join Mastermind. I want to go back to boot camp again, commercial boot camp again when it comes up. Yeah, it's a great class. Yeah, you definitely should. All yeah. right, Tracy, is there anything else I can help you with tonight? That's it. All right, you have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you. You yep. too. All right, let's see who we have next. Uh, okay, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Uh, who we got? It's Ricky. It's Ricky. How you doing? Hey, Ricky. How you doing? Good, thanks. So I have a uh, where are you from? Question. Uh, Connecticut. Connecticut. All right. Fire away. I've got a couple got? Qu- I got a couple questions for you. Well, maybe three actually. I'll try to make it as quick as possible. Um. Sure. I've been running some Facebook ads over the past, say, three months, and it seems that the leads that – and I've closed a couple deals. But the leads that have come in, it's mainly for – it's been like wholesale deals. So I haven't been able to pick up a a pretty house deal yet. Um, So from your experience, what's kind of easier? I know Ron pushes – the pretty house business because you get the golden goose if you can get that, which is mm-hmm. understandable. But from sure. your perspective, what's easier to actually get, a wholesale deal or a pretty house deal? Uh, in my experience, uh, a pretty house deal. Uh, so I want to go back to your Facebook ads and ask you what yeah. you're saying in your Facebook ads uh, that are leading people to bring you ugly house deals. Because I can tell you in uh, the advertisements, um, let's put it this way, like traditional uh, real estate investing for single family houses, uh, whether you use bandit signs or or most other medias, you know, the we buy houses fast, cash or or anything like that, uh, or we buy houses fast or quick, easy, hassle-free, depending on your message. In my experience, um, the market has really been trained to see that marketing message and think ugly house guy, you know, like, like I need a beat up house or a junker and that's what that guy's looking right. for right, right. Um, so you really need to tweak your your marketing message to target yeah. people with nice homes and if you don't do that uh, then you're probably going to be finding that you're going to get some you know a lot of ugly house you know deals and and uh, and wholesale type deals coming across your desk with the the cash deals the the buy fix and flips right so i get very right. you know just full transparency, I don't get a ton of those that cross my desk just because of the marketing message that we put out there. And, and my marketing message is, you know, we buy houses for full price. Right. right. 
You know, um, okay. And then I, sometimes in the marketing message, I'll even say, we're looking for nice, beautiful homes. Got a junker? That's not what we're looking for. You know, I mean, I might even, depending on what, you know, what my marketing okay. medium is and what kind of um, ad you know, or what, you know, what I'm actually looking for, right? Um, okay. I, I, with that said, I don't want to discourage anybody on this call from making money, right? I mean, the, the whole yeah, yeah, purpose sure, sure. of what Ron teaches here is the pretty house, the ugly house business. Any lead right. that comes across your desk you should be able to, you know, figure, you know, which bucket to put it in and, and figure out, you know, how to work a transaction if there's money to be made there and, and make money on it, whether that's a pre-house or ugly house deal. So I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't get too caught up in, in thinking like, man, you know, like I'm, I'm only getting some wholesale deals because if you're making money, that's a good thing. Um, but I, I get what you're, you're saying about wanting some more pretty house deals. So what, what is your marketing message saying? Like that's, that seems to be attracting these wholesale deals. Yeah, it says we buy houses, no closing costs, no commissions, close quickly, and I have a decent looking house as the image. Yeah, um, the and what's funny is, you know, what you just said was almost verbatim what I started out with in telling you that 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 and it doesn't matter what the house picture looks like. Um, mm -hmm. In my experience, I mean the, the house. Yes, the, the house looking nice is, is great. But um, let's say I was a seller looking at that, I might honestly think like, oh, you know, that's just one of the houses that they rehabbed, right? Like, um, right. and so I would encourage you to get you know a little bit uh, more playful or a little bit um, more dialed in, uh, more creative. Yeah, dialed in and yeah. looking for pretty houses okay. and. Uh, uh, and you might even try because you're running out on Facebook. It's really easy to to test, you know. So, I mean, you can just you can ask a question. You know, have a beautiful home, want full price, you know, we'll buy right, it. Right. You know, I mean, just okay. something as simple as that uh, we should start attracting more of the pretty house type leads, people that are looking for you know a better price for their home. Because um, I'm telling you, in, in my experience, people that have nice homes. Uh, they don't buy. They, they don't. They don't call the the bandit signs a lot of times because they just they know that history tells right. them that they're going to get offered seventy cents on the dollar from the cash investor, sure. right? But but they don't sure. know that you know we're in the terms game, uh, so you right. have to get that message out a little bit differently to start bringing in some of those calls. Does that make sense? Gotcha, gotcha. A couple more questions for you, really quick. What's sure. your number one lead source? Um, I my two best. I'll give you my my top two. Uh, my yeah. two best are bandit signs. Uh, now you definitely want to check, uh, you know, with <laughs> with your local municipality. But I can tell you that just about every municipality that I've dealt with or, or seen over the years, you know, has ordinances uh, prohibiting bandit signs. But uh, I'm sure you've noticed in your area, just like my area, that there's a lot of people that use them, and there's a yeah. good reason why. It's because they work, right? Well. Um, so I really like bandit science, uh, and then um, I, I'd say my my second uh, best is it's kind of a split. It's it's we get a good number of Facebook leads, but then we also get um, uh, still get a pretty good response from our direct mail uh, campaign. And I really like to target um, canceled listings, expired and canceled listings. Now this day and age, you're not going to see a whole lot of expired listings because you know the product. Right 
pro properties hitting the market, it's it's being sold pretty quickly. Right. But uh, you know, if you can get access to you know canceled listings uh, or withdrawn listings or whatever they call them in your area, you know, typically there's a lot more of those, um, and so we'll market to them on a weekly basis. We'll we'll uh, we'll check that list each and every week to see you know how many new ones, and there's you know anywhere between 50 to 100 brand new ones. And look, that's the name of the game. You're you're already sending a letter directly to somebody that wanted to sell their home, right? Uh, and yeah, at least they did within the last week before they pulled it off the market. And so you're just hoping that a good handful of those people still want to sell it, but maybe they got a little fed up with their realtor, or maybe they're thinking like, ah, my home's not selling for, for this price, or whatever the situation is, right? Um, but you, know, you send those people a letter, and you typically get a little bit better response rate because um, you know that everybody on that list, for the most part, you know, has a home to sell or is at least you know interested in selling, right? So, right. Uh, okay. That's that's one of the lists that I like. Good question. Okay. Uh, I definitely have to look into that because I've been using uh, Facebook and Google, and Google's just been eating my money. <laughs> yeah, so expensive, and hardly yeah. any leads. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, last question for you. Uh, sure. A lead came in. This guy's motivated. Came in from Facebook. He's really motivated, but he has a mixed-use property. So he has a two-one. That's about a thousand square foot, and it's it's occupied with a tenant. And the other part is the commercial side. There's a church there. They've been there for like the past five years. Uh, the ARV is about 150, and he's willing to sell it for 120. Um, it's cash flowing about 1400. It's free and clear. But it's okay. like, you know, suppose the church leaves. What am I going to do with that commercial side, you know? So I, I don't, really don't know what to tell this guy. I want to help him out. He's been calling me every day. Yeah. And uh, I want to kind of give him an answer, but I'm, I'm scared I might get stuck if the, the, the church decides to leave, you know? What do mm -hmm. I do with that, you know? Uh, well, a couple thoughts. One, uh, I'm just full disclosure here. Like, uh, this is not my forte. These these mixed prop new use properties uh, yeah. where you know one yeah. side's residential, the other side's commercial. Uh, definitely not um, you know in my realm of expertise. I almost don't even feel mm -hmm. comfortable giving you an answer there. But one of the th the okay. first thought that came to mind uh, was you know if you don't necessarily what to do with it and you're afraid of getting quote unquote stuck with it. Um, yeah. If you know the deal is good, you know. Does it make sense to you to put it under contract and see if you can wholesale it to somebody that maybe does want it and make you know, uh, a wholesale fee off of it? So, I mean, you could still wholesale something like that. You could still put a property under contract. Uh, hey, just, just because it's a pretty house deal or it's a terms deal doesn't mean that you can't wholesale it to somebody else and collect right. some money and then back out of the deal. And now it's not your problem anymore. It's not yours to, to take on. Uh, so that would right. be something to consider. That's that's the first thing that I would tell you. Like if, if all else <laughs> fails and you're, you're just not sure, put it under contract and see if you can find somebody that is interested in it. Right. Uh, just because right. you put it on a contract doesn't mean that you need to close on it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, sorry. One last quick question. Do I have time for that? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. When I call Fizbo's, uh, because I was using um, Ron's VA service, but I pulled mm -hmm. back and said, you know what, I want to do it myself. So I've been calling them. When I make that first call out to them. Should I break it out into two calls, or should I try and do everything in that one call? Should I, in that first call, get the information and say, okay, we look at the deal and a possible transaction, a possible deal, a possible offer, and I'll call you back in 30 minutes? Or if I get them on the phone, they give me all their information, should I try to structure everything on that 
first call because I'm thinking maybe it's best to build rapport with a second phone call. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's, here's what, so the first thing, so first off, there's a lot of flexibility there. Uh, I will tell you, I do it in two calls. That doesn't make it right or wrong. Uh, I know uh, other people and there's other mentors that would, you know, say, you know, do it in one call if you could because you just want to get it done with and get it out of the way. Um, right. You know, from my standpoint, um, you know, if you're not comfortable doing it all in one call, right? Because that's a lot of thinking on your feet. You're trying to build rapport. You're trying to talk. You're trying to gather the information. But let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Like you're also thinking about, okay, how would I structure this deal, and like, and how would I roll into closing this? Like, do I want to, you know? Um, and you know, if you're not completely comfortable with that, it might be better for you to just say, you know what? Let me do this. This so you you, you gather the information for the incoming call, and this is what I do, um, and I still do this to this day. And there's another reason for it. It's not because I can't do it all in one call. Um, I just feel like, and this is just maybe my own, you know, personal uh, viewpoint and uh, uh, you know, limiting beliefs. But I just feel like, like if you were calling me trying to buy my house and you were asking me for a bunch of information, and then you just went into like quick sale mode, like I'd be a little right. skeptical. I'd be a lot yeah. skeptical, right? Sure. Versus. Sure. Um, you know, if if I'm talking to you and I call you and I say, you know, I, I get the information and I say, um, you know, man, Ricky, this this sounds really good. Um, let me do this. Let me just run a few numbers here. I want to check a few comps, and then it's okay if I give you a call back in about a half hour or so, and then we can kind of, yeah. you know, maybe set up a time for me to come take a look at it if everything looks good. See, that breather I think is not only good for you. Uh, but I think it also sets the seller at ease to let them know, like, hey, this this is somebody legit, right? Uh, right but that, again, right. that's my own personal belief. That's my own kind of you know theory yeah. in terms of how I look at it, right? Uh, right? And so if somebody came at me all in one call, I'd I'd be a lot more skeptical than if they they did it the way that I just kind of explained it. So that's why I do it that way. I've tried yeah. doing it all in one call, and I just I just feel like it almost sounds too pushy, you know, but that's again right. my probably my own limiting belief. So either way is is okay. What I would say whatever you're most comfortable with because if you're right. comfortable with it, if you're giving off a good vibe, it's going to go 10 times smoother uh, than if you're kind of wondering in the back of my mind like, "Oh, should I break this up? Should I not?" right? Figure that out ahead of time how you're going to do it so you're comfortable with it and it'll go a lot more okay. smoothly. Okay. All right, cool. Excellent. Thank you so much. How how you're big welcome. is your team by the way? Is it just you? Uh, it is now. Yeah, I, I used to have two acquisitionists, but uh, but we've recently downsized. So it's just me. Uh, and and look, man, you you don't need a big team uh, to to build a big business. You don't. Um, you know, it's just it's all in how you guys want to run your business. There's uh, Ron has given you so many tools uh, and so much flexibility to build this thing the way that it makes sense to you. Now, if you want to go out and get you know multiple acquisitionists, you can, right? If you want to go out and do uh, 10, 15 deals, you know, a year. If you want to go out and do four or five deals a month and do 50, 60 deals a year, uh, then those are different business models. Those are different teams, right? So um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, you decide how big you want to build it and how many deals you want to do, how, you know, how many uh, dollars you want to be chasing at the end of the day. But I would uh, tell you that you want to have that vision ahead of time, right? So that you kind of know what you're right. building too. But uh, you can build a very, very profitable business uh, by just working this your, yourself. You've seen how profitable some of these deals can be, right? If you just yeah. do one or two deals a month, you know these pretty house deals that are netting, you know, forty to sixty thousand. I mean, that's 
that's a yeah. monstrous size business, and that's just you can do that just doing yourself, right? So, right. Okay, uh, but cool. sooner or later, you'll probably want uh, a personal assistant or some something like that to, yeah. to kind of help you out. It just it really just depends. Uh, if you can find the right help, it's probably a good idea. All right. Sure. Okay. Listen. Thank you so much for your time. This was extremely helpful. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. Happy holidays, ma'am. Same to you, bud. Yep. All right. Let's see who we got next. All Hello? right. Uh, who do we have next? Hello? Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Who do we got? Hey, this is Mike. How are you? Hey, hey Mike. How are you doing? Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Hoboken, New Jersey. All right. And I'm well, you sorry, don't have a strong New Jersey access. Or access. I'm hiding it. I'm hiding You're it. hiding it? <laughs> All <Yes>. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, my my name is, yes. Uh, sorry, Mike. My name is Todd. I'm, I'm actually in Minneapolis, so I got oh, that hey, uh, Midwest twang. <laughs> there you go. My wife's from Chicago, so, you know, I'm, I'm in All right. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So, um, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, yep. Well, how can I help you out tonight? Yeah, so I hopped on tonight because I actually have um, a subject to deal that's going on. Um, it's in progress, and it started out as a straight sale. Uh, full disclosure, I'm looking for rental properties, just straight rental properties. Um, okay. But I've been a student of Ron, you know, going to all the events and stuff. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, my daughter is uh, talking in the background. Um, <laughs> that's, but, that's okay. I got four kids <laughs> under the age of 11 myself. Oh, so you guys okay. probably hear so it at I, some point. If one of them doesn't bust into the office here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Uh, okay, cool. So, yeah, so basically it turns out the guy was a little bit in arrears. He was underwater, and I said, okay, look, let's get creative, and, you know, um, maybe we could do this as a subject too, right? And that actually works mm -hmm. in his situation. Um, my only question was, you know, I've been on the quick start um, uh, trainings and I, I forget what Ron says about how do you interact with the lender and how do you um, position yourself so that you're able to essentially make payments to the lender on the owner's behalf, I guess, is my question. How do you, how do you arrange that whole situation? Um, so first and foremost, uh, all you need uh, to get uh, signed from the, the owner uh, or the, the person that has the, the mortgage, you need their authorization to speak to the bank, right? Uh, so you just get a signed authorization. You're just going to fax that into the bank. Um, and, and honestly, like if you get a copy of their mortgage statement and then you also get um, that authorization uh, sign, form signed, uh, then you just call the 800 number on the statement and you let them know, hey, um, I'm, uh, I'm working with the owner. I've got an authorization to release information to speak to you on, in the owner's behalf. Uh, where do I fax that to? They'll give you the fax number where you can send that to, uh, and you send that in. It'll usually take a couple of days or so if we get that in the system. Boom. Now you can actually talk to the bank uh, on the seller's behalf so you can get the information uh, about the, the mortgage. You can get all the arrearage amount, you know, the, the monthly payment, all that stuff if you need to, to be able to verify that um, from there. As far as just making payments directly to the lender, um, I don't ask for, per for permission, uh, and there's really nothing that you need to do. Uh, now, sometimes um, 
I think Ron in his closing package, uh, and I do in mine as well, uh, we, we basically have a letter that we send to the bank um, you know, notifying them that the property has been placed into a trust uh, and that new payments are going to come from you know, uh, you know, a different bank account or something like that, right? And, and, that, and that the owner has hired a management company to send in payments on their behalf, and then that's it. Uh, and then you, mm-hmm. and there's there's never any red flags. I've never had any red flags or anything like that um, okay. you know, raised on the bank. The bank doesn't care. Let's put it that way. They they just want their right. money. That's why they right. made the loan. They just want the payments so that they <laughs> could care less if the name on the check is the owner's or if it's yours or your your LLC mm-hmm. or um, you know a trust bank account or anything like that. They don't care. So I would say don't necessarily worry about that. Um, where okay. things can tend to get hung up. Uh, for where I've seen it tend to get hung up through the mortgage company is that uh, once the insurance switches over, uh, if the insurance is escrowed, you know sometimes that can get a little wonky. Um, but again, you you just send that in with that letter um, to to the bank that says, hey, you know we place a property into a trust. You know here's the new insurance. You know everything's uh, all said and good, right? So mm, okay, okay, so. Uh, just so I'm clear, so what you're saying is just basically call the support like 800 number uh, mm-hmm. for the lender. And, yeah, because like if they're if, if the property yeah if the property is in arrears or has been in arrears for a long time you're probably going to get routed to somebody in loss mitigation uh, but it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. who you talk to you just need to let them know like hey I'm not the owner of the property uh, I do have a signed authorization form uh, allowing me to get information on the on the property and speak to you about their loan where do I fax that and they'll give you the fax okay. number and you have to send it in and then you, you wait a couple of days, you call back and you let them know, hey, I sent this in, uh, just making sure mm-hmm. it's on file. They'll ask you for the loan number yep, and they'll see that it's on file and then you know, uh, you're good to go. You're good to talk to them. Okay. And that authorization form, is that the one that's on the Gold Club? Yes. Yeah, I think it's called authorization to release uh, info or, or uh-huh. something of that effect. If if you do a search for authorization to release uh, info, um, mm-hmm. I believe that's what it's called on the Gold Club site. Yep. Okay. Very and simple form. Right. Right. I, I think I know the one you're talking about. It's like one paragraph. Yeah, that's all it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the okay. the the. The seller signs that with their their loan number and uh, you know phone number and typically their their social number or their whatever their information is you know so that the lender right, can verify right. all that okay. stuff and then you're and okay. then the, the the form that you said that describes hey you know we've we've put the property in a trust um, is that available on the Go Club or or no that's just uh, I believe awesome. it is let me um, let me see if I can. Uh, Look and see what that is. Um, what that would be called. Uh, give you an idea of how to search for it. Um, that would be. Uh, do a search for a change of change of address form. Um, I mm. think is what it. Uh, but basically, all it. All it really says, I mean, up at the top is it's got the, the property information, so it's got the uh, seller's name, street address, the, the name of the mortgage company, the loan number, 
and then underneath it, all it says is to whom it may concern. Uh, you know, we've retained the following company slash individual to manage our property as we are no longer living in it. Uh, please send all correspondence and monthly bills and statements to this new address, right? Uh, and then that's it. Um, and then they sign it, and uh, um, that's yeah, that's all you're doing. Got it. Um, okay. And you mentioned the trust in in that letter. Uh, yeah, if I'm if I put the property into a trust, yes, I would I would let them know that you know we placed the property into a trust uh, for, for estate planning purposes. Got it. Got it. Sorry, I'm just taking notes. Thank you. Yep. So we placed uh, the property trust. into a trust for estate planning purposes, and we've retained the following uh, company or individual to manage the property as we are no longer living at the property. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then please send Got all it. correspondence and monthly bills and statements to you know the management company at this new address. Got it. And that's another just form that you call and um, ask yep. for their fax number and send to them. Correct. Yep. Uh, awesome. And honestly, like if. If the seller is open to now, a lot of times I I'll get this signed uh, so that I have it for my records in case I ever need it. Uh, but I'd mm -hmm. say 75% of the time I don't ever need to use it because really all I'm sure. trying to do is get um, the statements and everything like that rerouted uh, from the seller to me, right? So I have right. access to all that. Uh, now a lot of sellers uh, will just give you access to their online account, assuming that. Uh, their mortgage account is separate from their like, their bank account, right? Like if like I bank at Wells Fargo, and you know if uh, I had like a city you know bank mortgage or something like that, or uh, a mortgage with somebody other than than Wells Fargo, I'd probably have an online account, right? And if I sold my right. property subject to, I would just give whoever's buying it, you know, access, access. to go access right. statements and and all that stuff. So. Um, so a lot of times yeah, I'll, I'll get both. Too. I'll get this signed and I'll get access. And then you can go in online once they give you the access, uh, and you can typically just reroute you know, everything from there. You can um, have them send right. the, the new statements. Um, and you can do that all electronically without even sending this letter. So uh, it really just right, depends. Right. But if a seller is not comfortable giving that to you, um, because maybe their, their bank accounts are tied to the same uh, you know, to say the same bank yeah, or something like, like that, that give you online access. Yeah, they, exactly, right? Then they don't, yeah, yeah. and I, I just tell them up front, like, if that's the case, like, I don't want the information. Like, we'll <laughs> right, right. I don't want access yeah, yeah. to your bank account. Um, right, right. So, so that's <laughs> yeah. how I Okay, do it. great. Cool, thanks. And uh, sorry, yeah. could I ask you one more question about it? Yeah, um, yeah, go ahead. You mentioned insurance, right? So, you know, I, I was told that what you're supposed to do is actually get your own insurance policy and then have the lender change the escrow account to that and make the sellers like an additional insured on that policy. Is that correct? Right. Yep. Okay. Yes. And you said that sometimes that could get a little bit wonky. Uh, well, what gets you know wonky about it is just making sure that the um, um, the updated insurance gets to the mortgage company so that the escrow account gets updated, right? Because okay. uh, usually from what I found, the insurance that I get is quite a bit cheaper than what the seller had on the property. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I would, I would expect them to recalculate the escrow and all that stuff and then start paying the new insurance directly out of escrow and cancel, right. you know, the, the, old, the old one, right? Um, but right. you just want, that's something that, that's just a detail that you need to make sure that you follow up on and make sure that that changeover happens, that the, the bank logs that new insurance company. Right. Um, as, right. Uh, and so, you have yeah, the so seller, do you, 
do you have the seller cancel their old insurance policy? Yes. Okay. I got it. Yep. That's okay. done. That's, I mean, that's handled basically at closing. We'll give them that information and let them know to, to make sure they cancel their insurance policy as of the date of closing because our new insurance policy is going to kick in, uh, you know, assuming that we're buying the property subject to, like you're, you're saying. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, wish me luck. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, well, happy holidays <laughs> to you and, yeah, uh, and, and good you luck. So you can do it. Help, yeah, no I problem. Have a good night. Yep. All right. You too. Mm, Bye-bye. All right, let's go on to the next call. Hey, this is Danielle again. Uh, hey, Danielle, I thought I saw you <laughs> pop back in the queue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a couple more questions here. Um, I'm sure. in the middle of doing a, 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 my first sandwich uh, deal because the guy doesn't want to do owner financing, so I'm going to do a, okay. a lease with him. And uh, I noticed on the paperwork it said something about, like, you're making a monthly payment for $900 a month and $200 will go toward the, the purchase price. Can I yep. basically put any amount in that, that uh, thing that I want to have go toward or off of the, the purchase price? Yeah. Um, that was the, what's it in the, in the manual there is just an example. Now, here's, here's the thing. Uh, if they have a mortgage on the property... Um, you know, realize that, you know, let's say that you're, you know, you're doing a sandwich lease and you're giving them, uh, in this example, $900 a month. And let's say you wanted all $900 per month to kind of buy down your purchase price. Um, if the seller doesn't have a whole lot of equity, you know, just keep, keep that in mind. Like if you're, like, for example, if they, if you're buying the property for $190 uh, and, you know, they only owe... I don't know, 180, and you're doing a five-year term or something like that, uh, or a 10-year term, and you're saying, hey, every month, $900 a month is going to go towards buying down, uh, you know, your purchase price. Well, at the end of, you know, a handful of years, let's say at the end of three or four years, that's, you know, a pretty significant chum, uh, chunk of change that you're buying down your mortgage, and now you might make them um, end up owing more on the property than what you're actually buying it for. Does that make sense? Do you just have to be cognizant of that situation? You don't want to put the seller yeah, in a situation uh, like that? These people, uh, I only have a four-year term, and they have about 60000 in equity, so it would work out. I'd okay. basically be buying okay. down the, the payout to them. Yeah, then in that, in that situation, I would try to get, uh, I would try to make that, that number as high as possible, right? And, and remember, it's just, just like anything else. It's a negotiation point, right? I mean, you could start by saying, you know, if you're paying $900 a month, you, you want $900 a month in terms of a, um, a monthly rent credit. And they might come back and say, whoa, 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 whoa we're not going to do that. We'll give you, you know, half of that. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, so it's, at the end of the day, it, it's whatever you can negotiate. Obviously, you want it to be as high as possible. Um, and uh, the seller's going to want it to be as low as possible, but you might as well start with it. Especially if they've got a significant amount of equity, I would do the same thing. You know, if I had a, um, a payment like that, I would try to get most of it um, covered. And I've, I'm pr actually, I'm pretty successful, Danielle, by, by telling people up front. Um, a lot of it's just in your phraseology and what you say to the, the seller. So, the way, so what I'll say is the way we normally work it is, um, you know, uh, you know, half of that that monthly payment will get credited towards the um, the purchase price, and you just tell them that's the way we normally do it. And you'd be surprised how many people are say okay, right? Um, or you could try saying it 
you know, differently. I mean, you say, well, and usually the way we work it is that that monthly payment gets also gets credited towards the purchase price. Now, if they balk at that, now you got to backtrack a little bit. But um, I've I'm almost always successful with with saying half. So I've, uh, I should probably play around with a little bit more than <laughs> not think about it. But you okay. know, at the end of the day, it's just something to play around with and and see what you can get away with. Okay, and then just. All right. Uh-oh, you're breaking up again. Did we lose you? Uh, Danielle, uh, I only see, uh, let's see, a couple more people in the queue, but we got to move on. We're kind of getting tight here on time. Let's go to the next person. Uh, who do we have? Hi, I'm Karen. I'm from Kentucky. How are you? Uh, hey, Karen from Kentucky. I am fantastic. How are you? I haven't heard you on the calls in a while, so good to hear your voice again. I always learn a lot from you. <laughs> oh, um, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I love being on this call. It has been a while. Honestly. Um, and here's my question. I'm kind of new with the term system, and I'm through uh, the manual I have. Okay. And I ran across potentially a wholesale deal. Um, okay. And I don't know much about those yet. So I have no idea how to do them Um because I've been, you know, focusing on the pretty house business, uh-huh. um, which is, you know, Ron's what he always says to do. So if I run across a wholesale deal, I don't really know what to do. I have, for example, no idea what agreement agreement I would use. So can you kind of get me going in that direction? I just found out about this, so I don't have a lot of information, but it's um, yeah, no. a wholesale deal. Well, so here's the good news. Uh, it is like the easiest uh, to write up and the easiest thing to do. So you're just going to – now, uh, in Ron's world, there's only two agreements that we're going to use with sellers. We're either going to use the standard purchase and sale agreement or we're going to use uh, a lease option agreement. Uh, so now which one do you think you're going to use for a wholesale deal? I would say um, purchase and sale. Correct. Yep. It's purchase and sale. Now, the beautiful thing about the purchase and sale agreement is the flexibility that allows us and just how we fill that out, right? So you can uh, write that up as a terms deal. You can write that up as a cash deal, right? Uh, there's a contract sale subject to, or there's, you know, so the, the purchase and sale agreement is what you're going to use probably 90% of the time. So, so just remember it this way. If, it's, if you're not doing a lease option, you're going to write it up on the purchase and sale agreement. Um, so now if you have, if you've been through the training, uh, like do you have the quick start manual or Ron's, you know, uh, terms agreements uh, or the, the ugly house wholesaling um, course or the, the ugly house course? Do you have any of those? Yes, I have the courses. I have not been to quick Perfect. start yet. So, okay. But I do have the courses. Um, I'm, so I'm, you're, I'm to learn as much first. Yeah, so you're going to want to look for the example uh, and filling out the purchase and sale agreement for a cash deal. I mean, if this is a wholesale deal, if this is an ugly house deal, uh, it's super simple. Like it, you're basically just going to uh, write it up in, in section one there as, as a cash deal uh, and then uh, fill out the rest of the agreement. There's none of the terms section, like section 2B or anything like that, needs to be filled out because this is just a straight up, you know, cash deal. So you put it under contract, uh, you know, for 60, 90 days or, or whatever length of time you can get, you know, the, the contract extended for. Uh, and then once you have the property under contract, um, you know, here's the beautiful thing about the market right now is a lot of rehabbers and a lot of investors are just starving for deals. 
Uh, so if you have a local RIA group in your area, all you got to do is market it to the local RIA group, uh, the rehabbers and the, the other people in that area um, that you've got a property under contract and this is what you're selling it for. And that's it. And then you'd wait for somebody to raise their hand and say, I want it. And if it's a good deal, if the numbers make sense, it'll go really, really, really quickly, right? Um, so that's, there's really not a whole lot to it. There's not a whole lot of moving parts in, in this type of a deal. It's just, it's a quick bang, bang, get the property under contract, you mark it up, uh, and then, you know, you, you go to closing and you collect your check, and the difference between what you sold it for versus what you had under contract for. So it's, it all starts with getting that purchase and sale agreement filled out, you know, for a cash deal. That's the first thing. You have to get the property under contract before you can do anything else, okay? Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a cash deal example in the book because I, I guess I was focusing so much on the other ones. I kind of must have missed right. that somehow, but yep. I've got the book and the different examples yeah. that he has in there. No, so, okay. no, I'm also, assuming... I'm assuming when you say a wholesale deal that you mean it's it's an ugly house deal, like it needs a lot of work, it needs some fix up, like it's a it's a rehab type 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 property. Is that what you uh, mean yeah. by a wholesale deal? Yes. Then uh, yeah. Then yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Now, do they so wholesale deals? And again, I'm just learning. The wholesale deals are mostly are, are always the ugly houses. I mean, do you ever wholesale a pretty house? Uh, you can, and that's, uh, you know, essentially, there, there's a couple different ways to uh, to do that. Uh, but the easiest way to do it is, uh, you know, Ron talks about the AXE program. Um, you know, you can get a property under contract, uh, and it can be a terms deal. It can, it can be, you know, subject to or anything like that. Um, and you're basically just going to sign that contract um, to another buyer, another investor that wants to take it off your prop or off your plate. Like if you don't want to deal with tenant buyers and put people into properties, then yeah, absolutely, you could wholesale a terms deal because um, all wholesaling is is really, uh, you know, people think that they're wholesaling houses, but what they're really doing is they're they're selling their contract, right? Uh, they're 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 they've got a property under contract and they're marking a property up, and what people are paying you for is for the right to take over that contract, right? So if it's a cash deal, or if it's a subject to deal, or any other type of terms deal, absolutely you can turn around and wholesale that for cash if you find but, a buyer that wants to take your place in the agreement. Okay, so and I, another question, because I was going through the book, I was, I'm really not clear yet on Axe deals. You know, and it, like you said, wholesaling and acts are kind of similar and seem like they kind of be, can be interchanged sometimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, so typically when we talk about acts deals, we're, we're typically talking about, um, you know, assigning uh, terms deals. Uh, wholesaling, traditionally speaking, uh, is, you know, you're, you're typically talking about uh, wholesaling an ugly house deal. Uh, so that's the primary differential uh, in my mind, at least. Uh, but that's kind of how I differentiate the two. So just, yeah, just know when, when you're talking about an axe deal uh, or you hear another Ron's, you know, uh, another student in Ron's world talking about an axe deal, we're, we're, we're talking about a terms deal that's being assigned. Um, and, and typically if, if, you know, outside of Ron's world uh, and your local RIA groups or anything like that, or even inside of Ron's world, when people are talking about wholesaling deals, they're typically talking about wholesaling cash deals, you know, that need some rehab. Yep. Oh, okay, gotcha. It's been and my experience. Now, you might listen on MLS and all this, and you know, I mean, the term can be pretty long. But on a on a wholesale house, um, what kind of term would 
do you normally on yours when you do wholesale deals? What kind of term do you, how long do you get before, say, if, you know, you can't, let's just say you couldn't, I couldn't find somebody. How much mm-hmm. time do you put in, in the, um, the time frame, the terms? Uh, well, so again, that's, that's up to each individual investor. Uh, the right answer there is you get as long as you can get with the seller uh, in order to get the deal done. Um, but in my experience, like, I don't need the property for any longer than 90 days. Like, if I can't get a, bar, a buyer in 90 days, like, something is wrong. And honestly, like, the seller's not going to give me 90 days. They might give me 90 days contractually, but uh, if I'm taking that long to close, they're, they're probably kind of wondering, you know, what's going on. Um, so... And anything less than 30 days, like I'm typically not all that interested in. I mean, I still might do something if, if I've got a buyer in hand and I know, you know, if they, they want to get the thing closed within, you know, a few weeks. But um, anywhere from 30 to 90 days, I think is pretty normal. 45 is probably a good sweet spot. Uh, and certainly if you've done your work and you've got a pretty good buyer's list, you know, already built up uh, and you've got some um, – um, contacts and, and uh, relationships with other investors that are going to be buying properties from you, you know, on your buyer's list, then you, you don't need a ton of time, right? So I'd say 45 to 90 days is uh, more than enough time. Um, but, you know, if you're unsure, try to try to negotiate as long as you can possibly get with the seller. Okay, got you. And, and I'm curious, do you... Uh, Hello? Oh, I'm oh, yeah. here. Yep. Yeah, I lost you for a second there. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, do you personally uh, like to control the properties and always buy them, or do you do lease purchase on occasion too, you personally, in your portfolio? Uh, I do both. Um, it Every deal is a little bit different. Um, I will tell you that, uh, you know, Ron's perspective uh, is that he would much rather own it and get um, – you know, just control the property, you know, so that, so that you don't have to necessarily deal with the seller. And uh, he, he's been telling me that for years. And I've been doing a handful more lease options over the last few years. And honestly, if I'm being honest with you, I would tell you uh, there's a handful of those properties that I'm just like, damn it, you know, I should have just got the deed up front because, you, you know, it, it, you know, when you have the deed, it puts you in a position of power and uh, you you don't have to, uh, you know, work so much with the seller after the fact. Um, and so I would say, you know, if, if all things being equal, you know, if it's a good deal, I would say get the deed. That's the way Ron's always leaned. Okay. So when do you do lease, lease purchase yourself? If it's a, you know, like what would be an example of when you wouldn't want to get the deed? Uh, so if I'm, if I'm not feeling like there's a whole ton of equity in the property, um, then I might just control the property uh, and see if I can mark it up and get a tenant buyer in there um, and collect whatever I can for an option deposit. Um, you know, so, so typically it's in a property where I don't feel like there's a, a huge equity spread or a whole lot of upside. Um, and or if there's not a lot of monthly cash flow. So it really just comes down to profit. You know, if there's a good monthly cash flow and or a good equity spread, uh, then I'm going to go ahead and take the deed. Um, but if it's marginal, you know, I might just go ahead and control it uh, and, um, and then mark it, you know, mark it up to kind of buyer, see if I can find the tenant buyer. And I, honestly, I might even exit out at that, you know, stage. It, it, so it really just depends on the profit point. So a good example of that would be, let's say the seller wants, 
you know, 300000 for their property, and I think it's worth, you know, right around that, and I can't get them down any lower, uh, I might go ahead and, uh, you know, lease option it for two ninety, three hundred thousand, and see if I can mark it up to, you know, three nineteen nine to a tenant buyer, collect my twenty thousand dollars down, and assign that deal back to the seller, and move on. So I take all my profit, especially if there's no monthly cash flow. So it really just kind of depends on the the deal, and where the profit's coming from. Does that make sense? That helps so much because I have gone back and forth on those pages in the manual about you know mm-hmm. trying to figure out. Now, why would you do lease purchase and when? And that example explains it so well because I really Good. was not clear on that. So that is a huge help because I, I, those pages, I've worn them out almost trying to say, okay, purchase, because I want to be prepared, you know, when you go to see the, the seller. So that is a big, big help. Thank you. And one last, last quick question. You said you don't have acquisitionists now. Um, are you planning on doing that again or getting them again? Or I know you also said it's, you, know, you can do the business yourself, which, of course, I'm going to do in the beginning. So what's mm-hmm. your feeling on that? Uh, my feeling is you have to have the right person in the right seat. Uh, and I've had uh, four acquisitionists now um, over the course of my career, and I don't think not even one time did I have the right person in the right seat to be able to adequately give you a good representation of, yes. So, so to put it this way, like it's kind of soured me a little bit. Uh, I think I will go back to that well at some point in the future. But, um, you know, we we have a very nice business uh, without having an acquisitionist. So at some point in the future, yeah, I probably will. But um, know that it's not something that you absolutely have to do uh, or have to have right out of the gate. It's certainly something that I think a lot of investors will aspire to, um, but you also want to make sure that you have the right person uh, in that uh, in that role, right? Otherwise, you, it might not even be worth it. Got you. That is just, that just been my experience. Oh, that's, yeah, because I was wondering about that because it's got to be hard to find the right person. So thank mm-hmm. you so much, Todd. Man, this is... This helped me so much in my studying. I mean, because I was really You're of, welcome. not clear on this stuff. So thank you so much, and we'll see you soon. You're welcome. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys. Well, that about does it uh, for tonight. Uh, thank you for all you guys that uh, participated in the call. And uh, it was just a blast helping you guys out tonight. Hope you guys uh, learned a lot and had fun. And uh, happy holidays and blessings to all you guys this holiday season. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys all real soon. All right, take care.